Hi, I'm Shannon. And I'm Perry. And this is our podcast, P.S. We, we have, have orders. orders. Good morning, Perry. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. I'm still waking up, you know. We decided to skip the coffee this morning, so we're drinking some kombucha instead because I want to help settle my stomach because it was a little, well, I don't know. I kind of felt a little off last night. How about you? I'm good. I'm also not drinking coffee because it's 7 o'clock at night and I would be up all night because I'm an old lady and I can't handle my caffeine. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, I've, I've noticed if I don't cut myself off by like 4 o'clock, I just, I'm restless the rest of the day. And I've, I've also noticed I do actually have a sensitivity towards like drinks with too much espresso because I get like, I don't want to say mm-hmm. shaky, but I get too... I don't know. I guess, I guess I'm yeah. too caffeinated and I can't in handle life. In restaurants and cafes in the morning, like free refills with coffee, I will not notice how much coffee I'm intaking until I go to leave. Oh, and same, I'm like, first same. of all, I have to pee like a racehorse. And secondly, I am shaking right now. So I think my yep. goal as I get older is to like learn how to cut myself off from free refills of coffee because it's just, I can't manage it. Yeah, no, I I won't lie. I I do miss that, like, being here, you get your coffee. Yeah. That's it. Unless you're paying for another latte or whatever. Right. And I do miss going to, like, some of the diners back home and being able to just, like, oh, yeah, we all want coffee, and then they leave the pot on okay. the table. I just, I miss that. I mean, I also, I guess I just miss, like, the company that is associated with coffee. Like, I don't know about you, but growing up, one of my favorite smells was the smell of coffee because every single morning like clockwork my mom made coffee and i would go downstairs to you know the morning routine and i would just smell the coffee and i'd hear it brewing and that to me is just like it's calming i don't maybe i'm crazy i, I feel like it's i don't think calming. you're crazy but my mother for you being the one with the hippie mom my mom never drank coffee because <laughs> i think it was just too I hard mean, on her she's not necessarily i wouldn't say necessarily a hippie She's just Wiccan uh, and amazing, but don't ever talk to her before her first cup of coffee. She was one of yeah. those moms that if you even tried to even say anything, she would just look at you, not mm-hmm. say anything, and just tap the mug. Like, she'd look at the mug and be like, you know there's nothing in here yet. What, what are you doing? My mom, so when I was a child, like a little child, I would, you know, wake up full of energy at six in the morning and bound into my mother's room and I would start talking a mile a minute. And I remember she would just go, Perry, your mouth woke up before mommy's ears. You need to go away. <laughs> can we can we can we save that statement? Because I feel like I might need that for myself <laughs> later in life. Yeah. Your mom sounds like she was just so like, oh, it's okay. Like, I feel like I would have just my, like my mom is so nice. She really is. But being the loving New Yorker that she is, she just look at me and be like. No, we're not I, doing this right now. Let, let, let me have my I coffee I think first. both my mom and my dad were really underprepared for creating me because they're both quiet nerds. Like, my dad's a big science sci-fi nerd, and then my mom's a big history nerd, and then my brother's a big nerd of both. 
And like I am too, but I also have this gigantic extrovert. I was gonna say, girl, I you know. are a nerd. You are like, such a nerd. They're like the keep to myself and like dig into some tomes in a basement somewhere. Like that's my family. And then they had me, and I am not anything like any of them. And I really just crashed their whole world. Honestly, being born, my brother used to refer to the the time before I was born as the good old days. Um, all six years before I came along. Oh my god. But then, like, now he's, like, salty I left, so I'm kind of like, what do you want from me? I don't know. It's one of those situations you are damned if you do and damned if you don't situation. It's always fun talking to other people about, like, how they grew up and, like, how their parents were, like, I know your dynamics with your family was different because, like, I grew up with, like, just pretty much my mom and my brother. My stepfather joined us much later, but it was just pretty it's mostly been always my mom. And the random pop-ins from my father. But I think it's always interesting when you hear the different dynamics of it all. Because, I mean, even work-related, my mom kind of had a lot of odd-end jobs. And, like, your mom's a writer. like Yeah, she was always home. She was, I mean, I guess for everybody else out there, um, I was homeschooled and my brother was homeschooled. And the reason my mom started homeschooling was she just didn't feel that my brother was kind of ready for, for school because he was always, like, a shy kid. I came along six years later, so then she just kind of naturally homeschooled me, and then she asked me when I got to high school level, like, do you feel like you're missing out? Do you want to go? And I was like, nah. So that was four more years of her being a stay-at-home mom, <laughs> and um, that's just kind of what she did her whole life, and then my, you know, my dad always worked. So yeah, we definitely had, like, very different growings ups. Definitely, definitely almost, almost polar opposite. I was public schooled mm-hmm. my whole life. Okay, so before we get into today's topic, I just want to, in the spirit of accuracy, uh, just clarify something that um, I wouldn't say that I misspoke in our MLN episode, but I did learn more information, and I'm a big proponent of learning as you go through life and updating your opinions when you find new information. Um, I said that Brownie Wise invented the Tupperware party, and that's not necessarily true. An entire lifetime before Brownie Wise did any kind of sales, there was actually a gigantic community of people that are already doing this, one of the most notable being Madam C.J. Walker. Um, They actually had a movie come out, I think, last year about her life. Shan, did you ever watch it? Do you remember what the name of the movie was? I think it might be called Madam C.J. Walker. (laughs) I have not, but that might be something I'll have to add to my list. Um, So Madam C.J. Walker was born in like the 1800s and she actually created and taught other people how to use certain beauty products. And the reason she had to do this herself is because she's African-American and isn't this amazing that American stores have not always catered to the black community and their needs because they need different beauty products than white people do. Oh my God. like... Just like Rihanna's line of makeup, I could be wrong and I could be misspeaking here, but I remember when it came out, a lot of people were excited because of how many shades they offered with people Mm -hmm. of color. Yeah, well, I mean, this is in the time of, you know, the Jim Crow laws, and she was in the North. She was in Chicago, I believe, for most of her time in in the New York. But I mean, still, it was was not a community that was... Uh, catered to now this being said she did not have anything really do with mlms i want to clarify that i'm not blaming the black community for starting mlms but just to say the in-house party and demonstrations i accredited pretty much solely to brownie wise when that's not the case she did something that had already been happening in the african-american community for a very long time before that so um one more thing i wanted to say last thing i promise 
We will be talking about uh, working and employment today and jobs and job resources specific to military spouses. We are not going to talk about MLMs being a viable option for work because if you look at the different statistics, I think it's, uh, don't quote me on this, less than 90% of all people in MLMs make money, which is why Shannon and I will not be including them in our list of work options. I think we'll have to make a whole episode. I know this is not yeah. military related, so I'm sorry, no. all spouses out there. Um, you know what? Spouses have passions, and I think it's important to highlight them, okay? And my passions are MLMs right now. <laughs> so I think that might be something we might have to do as a bonus episode of just a deep dive into that, because like, I love learning about yes. MLMs and the dark side of things. So, I mean, I guess uh, hang tight. Look forward to more episodes about these topics. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed our little update. So last week we talked about like education, educational benefits, and kind of like the pros of if you want to go back to school. So one thing that's kind of great about going back to school or doing school or finishing a degree is the opportunities and the doors that open afterwards. And that's kind of what we want to point out that there is lots of job opportunities out there. I know both Perry and I have dealt with the struggles of working and not working. And I know for me, when we were in Germany, I didn't work for four years. And I went from working two part-time retail jobs, two different stores at the mall. I bounced between both Black Friday. I didn't, I literally woke up May Thanksgiving, took a 45 minute nap before my first shift which was at midnight to like, I think 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was to 4 or 5 a.m. I honestly can't remember because I, Perry knows this. I'm not a night owl. I can stay up to like maybe 11, but I'm one of those people. I am the happiest if I can put myself to bed by 10. And it was crazy because I literally cooked all day for Thanksgiving, ate dinner with my husband and then worked my first shift, went home and I was so tired that I was living off of energy drinks, which for the most part, I really don't like to drink them, period. But I think I had like two on that first shift. <laughs> you had no business I got home. <laughs> no, I had no business drinking it. And I was physically shaking. Yeah. Like physically, my hands were just shaking because I was so hyped up on just sugar and caffeine. Yeah. And then I had my following shift at 7 a.m. at my other job from like 7 to 2. Oh, that's disgusting. And I, w- I had no sleep. Because I couldn't fall asleep because I had so much caffeine in my system. I couldn't sleep. It was just, it was wild. And now that I'm here, I, we got here in October. I started working immediately and I work full time. Mm -hmm. Plus go to school full time. And now we work on this. And I'm like, (laughs) there's not enough hours in my day anymore. I just, I found like work-wise, it just, I don't know. I've always worked like retail, a lot of entry jobs, a lot of um, customer service and I don't know about you, but like, I'm really proud of Perry because, like, I watched her go from working an et- uh, what, what would you say? It was like a minimum wage. <laughs> yeah. Minimum wage, you know, kitchen job to, like, a professional or, like, we like to put it, big girl job. Big girl job. And I'm so eagerly waiting. So when I finally finish my degrees to get into that final, I, I don't want to say final step, but next step in my, in my career. Yeah. So yeah, look, okay, I didn't, I definitely didn't start out right. I am today. I started working when I was like 13 years old, like part time at a local farm stand. 
And like I started out like washing vegetables. Then I like moved up to like a cashier. And then I ended up working in the bakery that was associated with it there. And then from there I went on to the Isn't kitchen. that where you learned those uh, amazing recipes you used to make for us? Like the, the pumpkin whoopie pies? Yes, my pumpkin whoopie pies came from there. Um, the legendary. Legendary. Let me stress, the legendary pumpkin whoopie pies that everyone would get mad if they didn't get multiple of. Oh, not yeah. just one. They were a hot commodity. Um, yeah. So I had that job. I had the job for like seven years. And then because where I lived is A, ridiculously expensive, and B, I was making, I think, like eleven twenty-five as a kitchen manager, which is ridiculous. Um, I yeah, had to get a second yeah. job. Um, washing dishes, which was actually like my favorite job, and I would do it again, honestly, because I worked. I did dishwashing too for a while. Yeah, I really liked the restaurant though. It was really nice, four star restaurant. So I would be completely covered in sweat because there's no air conditioning because this is Maine, okay? I would be like 95 degrees. I would work from about five in the morning at one job until like two two thirty, and then I work three thirty to eleven at my next job. Like that was. Roughly, and not every single day. My dishwashing gig yeah. was only part-time. So sometimes it wasn't that long. But I would, like, come into work, and they'd be like, here, we made an extra filet mignon. Do you need this? And I'm like, this is $30 <laughs> of meat. I will definitely eat this. Thank you so much. Like, they were so good to me. I mean, I made, like, nothing at that job. But, I mean, they were just, like, the absolute best. So it was, like, that kind of experience that landed me one of the very few coveted jobs in Germany. And that was like bartending, waitressing, cooking, event planning and execute whatever they needed. So that was a sweet gig that I had. And that I got through NAF jobs, which we will talk about later when we talk about our resources. Um, and then we moved to where I started living that Shannon lifestyle and I got a job at Kohl's and I work customer service. A fun retail job. Yep. For customer service over Black Friday. That was yep. the experience. But I actually like, broke it up between, it was like on Thanksgiving Day, they had like a 4 p.m. to midnight shift. And then they had like the midnight to 8 a.m. shift. And all the people they liked had the 4 p.m. to midnight shift. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, of course, I got that shift and everyone was like, why do you get it? You're new. And it was like, I don't. Because I'm special. Oops. I don't know what to tell oops. you. And then... That's what that's the best answer is just answering, oops. Yeah. And then I also accidentally got a job as a bagger at the commissary, which is something else we're going to dig into a little bit later. Yeah, because I, yeah. I really want to know how that even happened yeah. and how that all worked. Because I, I don't know about any other spouses that are listening. I have no idea how any of that has ever worked. I mean, I feel like I've tried to ask and I never get a straight answer. So I've, I, I don't think people that, that are encouraged to talk about it, but I don't do it anymore and I'm not at that base anymore. So I'm going to talk about it. After I finished my bachelor's degree and I was working on my master's and we moved to our base now, I was able to actually get my first big girl job as a junior accountant, which I really liked. I loved my, like all my coworkers. I liked working in an office environment versus like sweating all the time at work. That was a really big change of pace. Um, and I absolutely loved everybody I worked with, but I ended up, um, getting passed up for kind of, I don't want to say a promise promotion, but like it was a promise promotion. And just because, not because anybody was being awful to me but just because of where that company was at the time they weren't able to give me the promotion 
so it was a really big decision and I was really scared to do it, but I ended up quitting that job after I had secured a job instead of as a junior accountant as like a regular client accountant um, with the firm that I'm at now. And I still keep in touch with my old coworkers from the first place because I, like I said, I absolutely adore all of them. So that's where I am now. But I guess all of that to say, I do have a fun anecdotal story kind of about, you know, what my education got me from here to there. And it's that um, when I was working, let's just say one of those jobs. I don't want to put anybody in blast. That's not my goal. It's just this is my podcast and this is a story that happened to me. So I'm going to tell the world. This is your therapy session. This is my open therapy session and I get to tell my story. So at one of my jobs, I worked very early in the morning and I worked very late at night because I had two jobs at the time. And one time my manager, middle of the day, pulls me aside. She goes, hey, can I speak to you? Sure. Okay. Those, those conversations, in my opinion, never good. Never. Never good. Ever go well. Ever. So she pulls me aside. She goes, so I just want you to know that people have been complaining that you look really tired. I go, oh. And at first I'm like, first I'm upset. I'm like, oh my God, has my production gone down? Is there a, is there like a noticeable difference in my productivity? Like, I felt awful. I'm like, oh my God, have I been slacking? She goes, no. Um... No, your numbers are 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 still great. Um, they just they just say you've been looking tired, and I was kind of confused because I didn't work with the with the public. Like I didn't work with the customers. I would maybe see them a grand total of ten minutes out of my eight hour shift. So I was like, oh, I was like, well, is it the customers that are saying that I look unprofessional? She said, no, just just people. I don't want to say who. And that's what I said to her. I said, listen, what do you want me to do about it? She goes, well, you know, maybe you could go to bed earlier. First of all, I'm an adult. You can't tell me when my bedtime is. But secondly, I go, okay, I have to work two jobs because you don't pay me enough. And I am a full-time student. I have rent to pay. I have bills to pay. I can't go to bed earlier. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to wake up 45 minutes earlier? So you're pushing my wake up time from about 4.45 to 4 a.m. to wake up to put makeup on, to work in a hot work environment where I will not see customers, is this what you want me to do? And she said, well, if that's your only solution. And I did that. I put on like gaudy makeup. Please tell me you went like, you went really extra with it. I went extra. I had the thickest, darkest, wingest eyeliner you've ever seen. But like, mind you, I'm still sweating. So there'd be like eyeliner mascara, like running down my face. Running down your face. Of course. I did that for like three days. She saw it. I stopped and I never had another complaint ever again. <laughs> and all of that to say, I now work from home because hashtag coronavirus. And I don't put on pants. I don't put on makeup. And I have pink hair. And I make, I did the math more than 300 times the amount that I made at that job. And that, wow. yes. And that is what my education has allowed me to do. My education has allowed me to stay at home in my sweatpants, making 300% of what I made, being told I was too tired to not even work with the public. And that's my story. It's just kind of crazy when you look back at those moments, because I definitely think it's a defining moment when you look back and go, wow, I was able to 
persevere through all that. Absolutely. And yeah. it's it's just kind of wild. I and it, I, I know we kind of just like did a tangent on crazy jobs yeah. we used to do and yeah, you know, but crazy background it, stuff. I think it made us, honestly, it made us better adults because when we see oh, yeah. the kid that screws up your coffee at Dunkin' Donuts... You know, like... It'll throw it back at them. You probably have a bunch of other things going on, and there's no need to be mm-hmm. rude. Like, I think it's given us a good appreciation. But, but, like we were saying, you know, jobs and all that, there's many different opportunities that are offered to military spouses. There's many different opportunities of where to find jobs. I mean, there's four different um, opportunities for spouses. You have your brick-and-mortar jobs, like you have your virtual jobs, and then you have your flexible jobs and your in-home jobs. We plan on breaking down each one and kind of give you some tips, maybe some tricks, where to locate some of this information. Because I know if you're a new spouse, or even if you're an old school spouse, you know you have to change your job every couple of years. So you're going to run into that issue of locating a new job everywhere you go. And I know I have struggled with that. I know Perry has struggled with that. It's just, it's, it's just part of the normal for us. I guess we'll start off with your typical brick and mortar jobs, your classical jobs. You know, you go in, you punch a time card every single day or or whatnot. Um, Both Shannon and I currently have brick and mortar jobs. Even though I'm working from home because of the pandemic, I still have an office building. And well, actually, they deactivated my key card and my parking pass. So (laughs) I mean, I don't really have one right now, but I do have one. I mean, you do have a job. It's just you have been staying home because of social distancing and safe procedures. That's all. Exactly. I've been super safe. The most safe. Um, Yeah. So if you're stateside or on a bigger base, those kind of opportunities will present themselves. But if you're stateside and you want to work off base, we're not really talking to you (laughs) because uh, there's just a lot of general information on that out there. So I guess like our brief advice would be keep your resume up to date get on linkedin most definitely zip recruiter um and i even found a recruiter in my city and that's how i got both of my jobs but now let's kind of like back up from that um we're going to talk about specifically finding jobs on base uh, because that's why we're here we're here for you guys living that military life so shan do you want to start yeah one great thing you can use which is a resource on this is talking to our air force folks is that there's normally a airman readiness center those are really great places to go because sometimes they're the ones who post on Facebook if they even have job openings. Like sometimes they'll have just like secretary jobs openings. Mm-hmm. But they're really great people to contact about resume building, how to find a job. Because I know if you're looking at, which Perry plans on touching on is USA Jobs and NAF Jobs, you need to have your resume built a certain way. And if you're not someone who knows how to build your resumes in those ways, they won't be looked at appropriately. So normally, at least in the past, I know they were really good about, they can get you someone who can help you rebuild your resume and format it in the way that's necessary to apply for those jobs. So I definitely suggest if you just got to a location, find out where that building is. If you don't know where it is, I'm pretty sure your, your active duty military member will probably know where it is. If not, ask your key spouse. And if you don't know what a key spouse is, hang tight. We do plan on covering that in a future episode. So the Airman Readiness Center is one of those places that you can at least use them as a starting step. Yeah. And then, so like I was talking about getting my job when we were stationed over in Germany, I went through nafjobs.org. I actually found out about the open position on like the Facebook page and then they were hiring through nafjobs. So I know a lot of the um, open positions overseas, especially in Europe where we were, are through nafjobs. And so you literally... Same thing with Japan. Yeah. So you literally just go to like 
nafjobs.org. We'll leave a link in our show notes. And you can search jobs by base. So just pick your base that you're at. Mm -hmm. And then it will tell you everything. It'll tell you if it's actively hiring or just like collecting resumes. Um, It'll tell you how long that position's been open. It'll tell you a job description. It'll tell you the pay. All right there. So if you aren't really sure like where to start, maybe you live on base and you want to stay close, um, especially if you don't like your area, that's definitely a really good place to start. Okay, so there's other great opportunities out there if you are someone who hasn't gone through NAF jobs or you just don't see anything you really like. Another great one is most bases have at least a bank or two on it. Where we are, there's a community bank, and then I believe there's a Navy Fed bank on our base. And those are another really, really great places to look for jobs. Um, With those, you can just submit a standard-looking resume, standard formatting, and apply to those. Normally with those jobs, all you have to do is find their website, which is like, for an example, just look like community bank, pull up their site, scroll down to the bottom of the page, you'll see careers, you click on that and you look up the location, like the area you're in. And then from there, you'll break down what base you want to look at. Do you want to look at this base or that base? Because sometimes the main hub bases normally fill much quicker because that's where everyone wants to apply to. So keep that in mind when you apply. And also don't get discouraged if you find that they turn you down, reapply again. I wouldn't say harass the poor people, but apply again, apply other places. Don't go, oh my God, I have such a big gap. You know, that should even be be even more of a driving force to apply for other places. So one of the, um, probably like the biggest job opportunities that you do have in front of you um, is USA Jobs. That can result in getting a GS position. I did not look up what GS stands for. I think it's government salaried. I don't yeah, know. I this so. sounds, sounds really good. Right. We can just go for it. But anyway, so uh, it's a government job. It's a government job. Yeah, you're. You, I mean, you're obviously a civilian, and you just work for the. Is it the government? The federal government or is it the DOD? Who knows? We're gonna move on past that point. But um, these are really great jobs because a lot of these jobs you can do at multiple bases so if you know you're going to be moving a lot and you can secure yourself a gs position you may be able to transfer to a different base and keep your same job title or at least keep your same pay rate which is huge yeah so how gs positions work is there are multiple levels and steps for example an a gs1 step one pays under like 20k a year so it's like a very basic entry-level job but then a GS-15, step 10, makes like $150,000 a year. So once you get your foot in the door, and maybe you start off as a GS-1, step one or two, and then you can move your way up, and you can keep moving your way through these careers, even if you're transferring bases, which is why they're so desirable. But that being said, your competition are people with 20 years of experience in the military. You're talking about your master sergeants. You're talking about your chiefs that are getting out at 40 and want to keep working. So if that's where you want to go and that has the job that you want, like I was looking at a financial analyst job for a while, you have to check every single day. You have to check multiple times a day. Um, They are allowed to be super picky because their pool, their resource pool is so saturated. Um, So this is one of those examples where like Shannon was talking about, you need to have a very particular resume and you can actually make a profile on USA jobs and you can build your resume in USA jobs. So basically Mm -hmm. they will say, you know, drop down, fill in here, fill in here. That way you're not 
importing a Word document that maybe doesn't have the information. So that... Or it's not formatted, right? And they're not going to look at it. Exactly. Because they're not going to take you serious. Exactly. So find your Ammon Ready Center or whatever your branch equivalent is. And they can even help you go through that process if you need to. I actually end up going to... I accidentally went to one of the TAPS classes. You know, when you're getting out, you have to go through all these like reintegration classes. And I just went because it was talking about building government resumes and stuff. I'm like, this is perfect. So it was like me... And Airman getting out because she couldn't hang. And then, like, seven generals. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. Oops. <laughs> but I went and I learned a lot of things. So that is a long, painstaking process. But if you can get your foot in the door, I mean, that is an absolutely great way to go. Another great thing to look at is Facebook is a really great resource. Because at least where I am right now, mm-hmm. a lot of places We'll post on like our major, like our main spouse pages saying, hey, the gift shops are hiring. And they're, yeah, they're only $8.35 per hour and it's only part time. But guess what though? If you're that housewife that's just sitting around going, I need to get out of the house or hey, those hours actually work with me because mm-hmm. my child's in childcare at that time or I can put them in childcare, that's a great opportunity. And these, a lot of these jobs are posted on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, they might not take your resume at that spot, but those are normally coming from people that are PCSing or people that are leaving or the management themselves and saying, hey, we need people to come apply. And if they're posting, they want applications. So don't ever hesitate. Don't ever sleep on those because I have actually done that. I have been one of those, yeah, yeah, I'll apply later. Three weeks later, I apply and I get back an email going, hey, that position was filled. And it's really like, oh gosh, why'd I sit on that? Another really great one that I have heard about more recently is called HOH Military Spouse Professional Network. And for me, it's Dash Okinawa. Okay. So I don't know if these are all all over the place, but it's the first time I've ever seen it and it's here. And this is a great, oh my God, a great research, at least if you're in Okinawa, because it posts, I don't want to say the big girl jobs, but they, like someone actually the other day posted about um, looking for a job in social working or a clinical, she was a clinical psychologist. So she has those higher up degrees and she's like, I'm coming from at this place to this time. And a lot of people on that page were giving her actual answers and not troll answers. Mm-hmm. But with this page, I noticed people are like, ew, you're not even here yet. No, it's like, oh my God, hey, if you apply from this many days out, they'll look at your application. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was a, it's an amazing resource, which I kind of wish I knew about it earlier, but we're here now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and on the same topic of military spouse specific is there's, um, I guess, a website. It's called Military Spouse Jobs. Um, It's an online resource. Um, And according to their website, they have access to 2.2 million jobs. So they can help you find those jobs. And then they can also help you with resume building and job assessments and creating a LinkedIn profile. So it's none of it's in person. It's all online stuff. So no matter where you're stationed. And another thing that I think people forget about is networking. Sincerely, one thing I have 100% learned since we've moved overseas, which that does include our last location, that it's who you know. Mm -hmm. And one thing I found very frustrating where we were is because I wasn't someone's favorite, I was turned back, I I wasn't offered the position. I know Perry has probably seen it. I'm not saying you should be, you know, sweeter than sugar to everyone you meet. But don't hesitate to make those friends. Be friendly with people. You know, I'm not saying yeah. use people. God, and don't no, definitely burn don't, don't, bridges don't be, unnecessarily. Don't, yeah. don't give yourself a reputation. 
Yeah, definitely don't burn your bridges. That's that's actually probably what I should be saying. Don't burn your bridges. So um, if a brick and mortar job is not going to work out for you, whether there's just no opportunities in your area, or maybe you have kids and you have to be home, or you have a disability, whatever that is, there are some more opportunities for virtual jobs as well. The biggest one that I have seen recommended is Vertforce. So you can go onto their website. We're going to link um, to their website in our show notes, or you can find them on Facebook. And they place military spouses in virtual jobs, and it's all around the world. So I've seen that come up time and time again. So that's a great opportunity for you. Also, there's another newer uh, job placement company, I guess, organization called Instant Teams, which, like, I haven't heard of them as much, and I briefly looked at their website, and I'm going to link that too, just for you all, um, if you're interested. But I was a little concerned, because it very specifically only hires and targets military spouses, which reminds us of what, Shannon? Marinsburg. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a little concerned, but I linked that anyways. So those are two options if you're looking for a strictly remote job. Um, On top of the fact that a lot of places, because of the pandemic that we've been going through, they're now hiring fully remote positions. Like my employer is hiring fully remote positions at this point as well. And then if you aren't sure about a full-time position, there's also some flexible job options that you have as a military spouse, no matter where you are. If you're in the U.S., you could look into things like DoorDash. Uh, My friend did that only for like a few weeks, and she ended up landing a pretty good restaurant job just because the restaurant recognized her and pretty much offered her a job on Disney night, and she took it. And then one of my friends, actually, he got out of the Air Force and he started using his GI Bill, which, of course, you all remember all this information about the GI Bill from our last episode. He ended up doing Instacart and he was able to quit his other part time job just between working Instacart and then the GI Bill. He was able to live off of it and like rent his house and everything out. So those are really great options, Um, as well as being a commissary bagger, if you can, because it's technically a volunteer position, so you can work, or if you have like a sick kid or something that day, you can just not work. I would say I worked for like four to six hours a day, four or five days a week, and on average, I made about $55. So another really flexible job that has, that sometimes it is suggested, is an OnlyFans. One thing you have to be mindful about OnlyFans is that, yes, it is a flexible position you can do from home, but just be mindful that it is, how can I put this? It is not always the job for the faintest of hearts. If you're someone that decides to get into this, like if you're someone who has that personality or someone who wants to do this, do you, boo. If you're someone who thinks that this is your job, you want to do something from home and you love your body, you love your skin, and your, More power to you. and your significant other loves your body and loves your skin and is supportive of how you choose to make money, also important. And knows about it. Yeah. Just be mindful that if it does get back to base, as in the command gets word or gets any form of acknowledgement that you, the spouse, is starting an OnlyFans, you can be told to shut it down because it can cause issues in the unit. Because um, something that me and Perry were kind of talking about prior to this was nothing would be more uncomfortable than having possibly your airman or even possibly your boss walk up to you and show you a picture going, hey, is this your wife's butt? (laughs) So just be mindful that you don't want to possibly put someone in that position. Right. And like we talked prior is professional 
because I don't, I just remember don't burn bridges. So, I mean, I, I don't want to say I'm uncomfortable about this, but I just don't feel like there's enough black and white rules to protect people with this right now. And that's what I worry for a lot of people that want to get into this because there is some serious money to be made. I know someone who does have one and she has told me some of the money she has made and I won't lie. I don't, I, I go, wow, kudos to you, girl. I'm proud of you. So maybe just feet pics is what you're saying. Just foot pictures. Just foot pictures with no faces and no tattoos. Just foot pics. Yeah. Yeah. So the next thing we want to cover is home businesses. Something a little bit more, I don't want to say more lighthearted, but a little bit different. A home business is just a business that you decide to start on your own and a business that you've decided to start up to work with the skills you already have. Like if you're someone who wants to clean houses, you can do that. If you want to cook from home and be a baker, that's another opportunity. There's many different avenues with home businesses, but there's just a lot of rules to it. Yeah. So I guess um, probably one of the biggest and easiest ones, especially for stay-at-home parents, is babysitting in your home, becoming a private childcare provider. This is easier if you're off base. You just kind of do it, get cash. Um, But... If you're on base, it's a little bit trickier. According to the military.com on in-home childcare providers, to become a CDH or FCC provider, you must submit to medical screening, complete application packet, provide three references, and undergo extensive background checks. A representative from the family child care will inspect your home and ensure you're not going to put your babies in cages. They didn't say that. that. <laughs> um, you also have to be like CPR certified and whatnot as well. Um, Which makes sense. So if you want, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're going to be looking over babies, you can't put them in cages. Them's the rules. Or anyone's children. You should be, you should have at least have some form yeah. of certifications. And definitely with that, um, when it comes to home businesses you do want to be registered one thing to be mindful with running a business on base compared to running businesses off base is a little bit different we will be posting articles down below that do go into that differences so one thing about being registered on base is that you will have to go through your chain for it your command will have to sign off housing will need to sign off and legal will have to sign off on it that's a lot of paperwork But guess what, though, there's as far as I know, because I did talk to someone else and I have read online that there is normally no fees associated with it. But this also means if you have to have baseline off and command and legal and housing, um, housing. So this also does mean that they can turn you down if they decide to say, no, your house is not fit or no, we don't want this business here or no X, whatever reason. You have to respect that because if you were caught. You're telling me that through COVID and stuff, they were saying no a lot more, weren't they? They were turning it down? Or was that just food preparation? Yeah. From from what I was hearing from other spouses, so this could be taken with a grain of salt, um, that due to COVID, they have not been approving people, at least here, for at-home food (laughs) ones. Like any form of like cooking, baking, whatever. So if you are going to be registered with base... I don't know about you, Perry, but if I'm buying a cake from a spouse who's going to charge me $100 for a cake, I want to make sure they're registered. And if you if you are someone who's a buyer, you can flat out ask them, are you registered on base? And if they say no, you can make that decision if you want to go through them or not. And if they say yes and they're actually not, you can, I don't want to say don't get them in trouble. Definitely, I mean, that's your choice. Yeah. But you can make that decision if you want to well, pursue I mean, that I would not. say report them um, if, you know, regist- you 
I mean, if you were to get sick from that or, you know, they came down with COVID and they were spreading it or something like that, then, I mean, maybe you should report them just for the safety of others. But if the safety of others isn't in question, then I don't know if you got to be like that. I would just, it, it comes down to your, to what, what your best judgment is. Um, I'm someone I prefer to normally only go through people that are registered because of that very gray area, because there's a reason why you want to be registered because right. it protects you right. as well. Registration normally lasts, uh, at least per the person I talk to, lasts about two years because she does not have a food one. She has a more mm-hmm. like a craft one. And just be mindful. It is a little bit of a process, but once it's done, you're registered, you're good. You roll from there. And then from there, they will also give you your proper rules and regulations you need to fall under. Okay. Well, Shan, something else we want to touch on is like our non-military related questions although this week it really is so i feel like they're really just our solicited is most definitely opinions honestly it's one of those things where it is a question that we even have at least i always have in the back of my head and causes just a little bit of anxiety for the Mm -hmm. longest time and that question is how much do you tip a bagger at the commissary to some of you this might seem like the world's stupidest question and that's fine but for me I'm probably not the best person to answer this, but what I normally do is I do, like, if it's a $50 order or less, which is only, like, one or two bags, I tip them, like, a dollar or two. For for an order that's, like, big, like, a $100 something order, like, you're, like, your big haul for the week. I would normally tip, like, maybe five bucks, depending on how nice they were and how well they packed my groceries, because... Working at a grocery store at one point and kind of being a little bit of uh, crazy in my own head and organized, I put up my stuff in like a particular the way you want it back. Yes, Yes. me too. Exactly. So, like, I purposely put it up, like, I put all my frozen together, Mm -hmm. I put all my fruit together, Mm -hmm. I put all my dairy together because I want when I get home to open my bag of all of my frozen stuff together so I can put it all away first. Yeah. So, my answer personally is I. We'll pretty much always tip $5 if you take it out to my car. And then if I take it out myself, I'll tip at least 3 And I'm going to tell you why I do that. Because I'm going to give you the details behind the bagging situation. At least back in 2018 at one specific base. I don't know if it varies by base, but I imagine they're at least similar. So. I feel like they're probably They're very probably similar. similar. So here we go. It is a volunteer position. Uh, they have two shifts. So you have your AM shift, your 8 to 2, and then you have your 2 to close shift. You don't have to work a specific amount of days, but typically they'll have their own policies. Of like if you haven't been here for 20 or 40 days, you get taken off the rotation. Because there's usually only so many options. Typically your bagger will have a number on them. Depending on the size of your commissary, it'll be between 1 and 30 for your morning and then 1 and 30 or 30 to 60 for your evening. Typically... You don't cross. If you're morning shift, you're morning shift. If you're evening shift, you're evening shift. You don't move between one or the other. So for mine personally, you could work at any time. You could come in for an hour if you wanted to come in for an hour. But if you wanted to have a day count, then you had to work for four hours at least. And you had to pay out. You had to pay your head bagger who does your scheduling and um, insurance and things like that $5 to work. Mm, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Well, at least at this one base. Again, I'm not saying all bases, but this one base. So you had to pay out your lead, your headbagger $5. If you work for four hours, she put you. your headbagger will put you down as you worked a full day. After you worked, I believe it was 40 days, not consecutively, but 40 days, 
you're put in the express line rotation. Your express line, you obviously, you don't leave your, the store, you just bag. So because of that, you're constantly having interaction with customers, you're not waiting in line, you make more money, even if you get tips less per transaction, because it's, you know, 12 items or less. So that's kind of how the scheduling worked. So how it went is we had a rotation per lane and you had the person that was bagging was the one closest to the customer, and then they typically had a helper who was the next person in line for that lane. So let's say you have Susie, she comes through, she's like, hey, I don't need this taken out, I'm gonna take it out myself. Which cool, that means I, I yeah, a lot, of, a lot of younger people don't, which means I stay there if I get less than $2. I stay in my spot. If you give me $1.99, I get to stay and then I get to collect the tip of the next person. So like, mm, awesome. I don't have to go to the back of the line and then wait again. But if you were to tip me $5 and take it out yourself, that's the creme la creme, okay? Like that's what we want you to do because then I get my $5. I don't have to go outside, take the time to put the groceries in your car and then get back in line. Wow. So now I know that um, my husband does that. Like that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's what he does. That's our favorite. Is he always tips really well. Yes. So then at that point, you know, you go back to the line and then that second person takes over the next person in the back of the line and the line takes over as a second bagger. That's how that works. Now let's say you go out with them, which is usual. Leave. Your secondary takes over as your primary. Next person goes in line. You unload. And then even if they don't tip you anything, Sucks to suck. You have to go to the back of the line now because you you left. Um, so that's the worst thing you can do is not tip your bagger. Um, again, I think the only reason that you should like should not tip your bagger is if they just did a terrible job and they put your apples on top of your eggs and stuff. If not, eggs. yeah, or your bread okay. or something. But if not, I would say with today's money, at least tip them three dollars. In my experience, we were at a base with a lot of retirees. So they were typically living on fixed incomes. So I would notice that they would typically tip me $2 for the same order that maybe an active duty service member in their family would tip me $5, which I can't blame them. If you're on fixed income, you're on a fixed income. But like I would say rule of thumb, if you're not sure, if you have a cart that's full, like if you have bags stacked on other bags, tip them five. If it's not full or you take it out yourself, or they didn't do a great job, tip them two or three. Anything less than two is kind of not great of you. And if you have more than one cart full of food and water or whatever, and you tip less than five, you're a garbage person and I don't care. There is no excuse. If you have two carts and you tip less than five, you are trash. <laughs> so make a lifestyle change if you need to. And then um, another thing that people I've seen like are concerned about is they're like, oh my gosh, like don't judge my car. It's so messy. Like no, literally unless you have like a small child being held in the back of your car with duct tape, like we have seen worse. I have seen things growing in people's cars. Like I promise you we have seen worse things than what you are about to show me. So do not be shy. Oh, one last thing. You can ask us to make change. Like if you have a 20, you can ask. It's not rude. We would honestly rather have your 20 know that. and give you some of my fives and my ones back. So I also, know that. That's really it's not know. a power play to take five $1 bills out and be like, if you do a good job, you get all five. And if you don't, you only get three. Like, that's not cool. You're just being a jerk. That's the end of my rant.
That's actually really good to know. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. So um, thank you, Perry, for that information. You definitely have enriched my life because I did not know any of that insider information. And I feel like you don't really hear too much about that stuff. So it's really good to know. Yeah, you're welcome, Shannon. Glad I could help. So I definitely want to thank everyone who's still listening. Anyone who has been listening, this is the end of episode four. So I want to say huge thank you to our friends, our family, even some new listeners, even maybe some new followers on Instagram. We will see you. In two weeks. In two weeks. So not next Wednesday, but the followings. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to contact us, you can go ahead and reach out at PSWeHaveOrdersPodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to follow us on social media, we're on Instagram at PSWeHaveOrdersPodcast. Please go ahead, leave a comment, send us a message, anything you want to tell us. We're here to listen to you guys. Um, If you have any ideas for an episode, just let us know. So again, thank you for listening. Don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thanks.